0: Hi, this is Xavier Oman, former Northwest Bearcat. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. Once a Bearcat, always a Bearcat.
1: Now that is just cool to hear. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning in. Matt Daniel here with you on this latest edition of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. And uh, boy, this is a big one. You know, in in the very beginning of this, this is an episode that I had in mind for a long time, having Xavier on here, and a really great chat. You're going to love this episode. So we're also going to hear from Coach Mel Churgema as well. You know, it was pretty early on, my buddy Nate Gonner, who, uh, you know, kind of had the plea out there to Xavier to, uh, to come on and come on the podcast and we're able to work it out. And there's three big interviews that I wanted to bring you. And, uh, one of them was this one. Another was Chris Gryson, so we got two out of the three. The other one, I have a feeling, will be coming sometime in March, but I don't have it confirmed yet, and I'm not going to spoil it. And it's it's one I've been working on from the very beginning as well. So I think it's going to happen. I'm really excited about it as well, and all of them. You know, all the I I say that I'm really excited. It is true, but I don't I don't know if I have um you know if I have have a favorite. These podcasts are kind of like my children, I guess. I, I love them all, and they're in their own way. And, uh, but I'm, I'm really excited about these off season episodes. It allows me, um, you know, to, to kind of learn some of these stories and bring some of these stories and things I've heard to you. And I mean, come on, it's just, there's no bad time to talk about Bearcat football. So there's a ton of stories and, and a lot of really good content. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned last week, there may be weeks where there's an episode every week, you know, some, some months, you know, rather than two episodes a month, you might get three, so uh, anyway, some some other things in the work. I'm pretty excited. Upcoming guests include uh, Jordan Grove, um, the former Swiss Army Knife of those uh, 2015, 2016 specifically championship teams, and in uh, 14 and 17, I guess as well. Sean Bain, he's going to be joining me. He's he's uh, in the Canadian Football League. If you've been following that, scored a touchdown uh, this last fall as well. He's going to be joining me later this off season. So um, so a lot of great guests. In in the history of uh, of Bearcats, some more recent like those guys, some further back in the past. There's lots of great content. You know, there's <laughs> there's uh, we're never gonna run out of stuff to talk about as far as the Bearcats go. So uh, it's it's exciting time. Of course, the basketball team's doing their thing, both men's and women's. Women's has had, had a much improved season, one of the best in in recent uh, you know recent times as well. So men doing of course what they do, but it's always fun. You know, I. Uh, I just love talking about Bearcat football. It just doesn't get any better than that for me. One thing I will mention as well, you know, if you're looking for for previous episodes to tune into, if you're new to the podcast or if you didn't get to listen to them all last fall, one of the great ones is the is the uh, Road Dogs episode that Coach Mel Churchma joined me on that we did during uh, Homecoming week and uh, go through that entire schedule of games. And, uh, and it's, it's a great conversation. Now, that 05 team, one, you know, just the, just the magic and things of that team, you know, so close to winning a title, but, uh, but you know, they set things up for just that unprecedented run of, uh, you know, of, of what we've come to expect now, right, which is um, not just playoffs, but deep playoff runs and national championships. So that's a great one to check out. Go to bleedinggreenpodcast.com. You can check that out. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor on the podcast, have some some things in the works in that as well, you can shoot me an email, bleedinggreen.bearcats at gmail.com. But without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into this. I want to uh, play some clips from my conversation with Coach Mel Churchma. That him and I had a chance to uh, talk about Xavier Oman and and Coach T just kind of started out talking about how exactly Xavier came to Northwest.
2: Well, Xavier, uh, you know, Xavier came to us uh, out of Beatrice High School. He was a he was a great two sport athlete. I mean, he was three sports, he was track too, but you know, football, basketball, he was a good basketball player. He really was. And, uh, um, he, his dream was to play at the university of Nebraska. And we had him for a visit, they had him for a visit, uh, and they made a decision, uh, a little bit before signing date, they told him that they would offer him a walk on, but they would not, they couldn't offer him a scholarship. And I think part of that, I think what really helped us is he really didn't. I don't. I don't think he took any other Division One visits. He was banking on going to Nebraska. And uh, so when they when they said that they wouldn't offer him a scholarship, um, he wanted to go somewhere where he was getting a scholarship. And uh, I didn't know on signing date, I really didn't know. We thought he was going to come. He said he was going to sign, but he was one of those guys until we got the papers. And I remember when it came across the, at that time was the fax machine. Uh, when I saw his his uh, uh, national letter of intent signed come across the fax machine, I said, "Man, that that's really good for us." And uh, when we got him, uh, when he came here, we we had told him, you know, all along that we thought we'd redshirt him, and uh, so that's uh, that's ended up what we ended up doing. We did redshirt him, and he uh, he he. In the spring, uh, you know, he really established himself. And so when we got into the fall, uh, the fall of, uh, I guess it would have been 2004. Yes. uh, Would would have been his his first year. Um, He didn't start the first game, I don't believe. Uh, And then I think the second game, either the second or third game, he might not have started the first two games. And then we played at Central Missouri. And we started him. That was his first start, and I think that was our third game. And he rushed for like 150 yards, and uh, he was he was a great player. But he still struggled. <clears throat> he had a lot of things that you know in his background that he struggled with, and he struggled with uh, you know with identity and uh, you know just personal issues. That uh, there were times when uh, when he wasn't the most pleasant person to be around, and. Uh, For, you know, for with the coaches, with his teammates. And he struggled through that. And, you know, even after his sophomore year, I remember, and and I don't think he might be telling you this, but um, we had a conversation after spring ball his sophomore year. And I just, uh, you know, kind of we kind of laid it out and said, you know, if you're not going to really buy into what we're doing and really conform to being a team guy, um, and it wasn't that. I shouldn't say team guy, but I mean, I, I said, you, you've got to embrace your teammates so they can embrace you. And I said, but if you can't do that, I said, I, I actually told him, I said, I'll help you uh, transfer to somewhere else. And uh, after a week or so, he came in and said, you know, uh, uh, I don't want to transfer. This is a great place for me. And, uh, you know, he said, I'm, I'm going to change. And he did. And, you know, that uh, as a junior um, <clears throat> he wasn't elected a captain after having two great years, but those were the reasons why. Uh, to give you an idea how things changed, the next year after three years, and after making that change uh, in his demeanor and his attitude, and just buying into his teammates, uh, he was a unanimous selection as a captain for his senior year, and had just an unbelievable year as senior year.
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, we all think and, you know, when I had you on to talk about, you know, Missouri Western, then we talked about Pitt earlier in uh, this last fall. You know, we we talked about the one of my favorite memories is him diving over the top on fourth down at, at Arrowhead, and <laughs> and and all of those things. You know, we always think about the the Grand Valley game and the ninety eight yard run and the the you know the Shadron State the week before that. You know, six hundred yards in wow. two games. You know, that's yeah. you know that's a season <laughs> for yeah. for you know a lot of starting running backs. But um, you know, and and I think is you know those of us fans, right? If we're making a if we're making a, a Mount Rushmore of, of Northwest players. I think he's on it. You know, how how does, you know, just his ability and his talent, I mean, how does that stack up against, you know, the other guys that that you coached in your time?
2: Well, he, uh, he was, he was a very gifted, gifted athlete. And, uh, you know, he was, he was extremely good as a freshman and a sophomore. And, but after, you know, after his, junior year when he made that transition uh his junior year he he was he was that much better and he was he would he became in his own way he became a leader leader on our football team and uh his senior year uh like you said he he was unbelievable what some of the things that he did you got to remember i mean all those rushing yards he had in a lot of those games they they came in the first half because he didn't play much in the second half Uh i just uh when you got team B uh, you don't know, play your starters, you, you, uh you know, you play your young kids and you try to keep everybody healthy. So uh um, he did some unbelievable things. I think, I think he might've been, I, I thought I remember that he was one of the, one of the first or the very first uh division two player that ever rushed for over 1500 yards, each of his four years or something like yes, that. Yes, yeah, He know. was the
1: first. Mm-hmm.
2: He was the first. Yeah. So uh, that that tells you a lot about it. But uh, he he just uh, the 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 maturation process from when Xavier Oman came on our campus as a redshirt freshman to when he graduated uh, and left uh, as a senior after that 2007 senior uh, season. That was phenomenal, and uh, to me that was one of the that was. To me, that was more important than all the things that he did on the field. It was how he developed off the field and and what he's become.
1: Well, that's perfect. That's the next thing I was going to ask. You know what? You know how how does I mean that's the goal, right? To to have, you know bring players in as a coach and have them leave as as men and, and prepare them for life and just seeing where he's at in life and you know that he's a dad and everything. Now, I mean, that's him or any player. I mean that that's the ultimate goal, right?
2: No doubt about it. That's that's what uh, that's, that's the reward now. Those are the rewards that I get now from coaching is the fact that I see how, how these people have developed and what they've done with their, you know, what they're doing with their lives and how, it, how they've made an impact uh, on the people around them, how they've uh, embraced their family and, uh, uh, you know, become good dads and good husbands. Uh, that's, that's really what it's all about.
1: And that's something I think we forget as fans sometimes, right? We're, we're focused on wins and losses and, and, you know, measure success that way. Um, You know, it's pretty interesting to see the relationships, not only that the, that the players form, you know, they're brothers, right. But with the coaches as well and, and how close they are and and this specific relationship between coach T and Xavier is is something that that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to coach and kind of incorporate that. And and with Xavier, we talk about that as well, about his relationship with coach Churchma. And there's, there's a love there. I mean, it's a a father, son type of love. And Xavier will talk about that. It's interesting though, how different people remember things different ways, right? We get, I'm going to get Xavier's uh, point of view, especially in the recruiting process about wanting to go to Nebraska, not necessarily the truth, although that's, that was, you know, kind of what uh, was assumed out there anyway. Now, I'm going to let him uh, tell it in his own words. So let's take a quick time out. We'll come back and you'll hear my chat with Xavier Oman next year on Bleeding Green. <laughs> Welcome back here on Bleeding Green and very happy and honored to be joined by former Northwest running back Xavier Oman and, and Xavier, man, thanks so much for uh, for coming on and, and taking a little bit of time out of your schedule and uh, coming here on Bleeding Green and talking a little uh, Bearcat football. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So let's talk a little bit about you and kind of what, you know, led you to Northwest. I mean, we, we know uh, Beatrice, Nebraska, you were actually born in California, um, you know, the, then you ended up in Nebraska. What, you know, what did sports and things mean to you as, as you were growing up? How important were they? Um, sports,
0: <laughs> sports meant everything to me. I had a very tragic raising as far as my family and stuff goes. I lost my oldest brother to a, a, driver, a drunk driver at the age of eight. And then at the age of 14, I found my other brother who had committed suicide. Uh, I found him hanging himself. So... Sports was everything to me because it was my getaway from the pain that I had suffered throughout my life.
1: And, you know, obviously we know, you know, f- football ended up being your first love, but was it always that way? I know you played basketball and and some other sports too, but was it always football, that first love?
0: No, um, basketball has always been and always will be my first love. I just happen to be 5'11". And I did a decent job of running the ball. So I figured I better stick to, you know, what my stature puts me best at. And I was running the ball. Um, I love basketball. Basketball is my favorite, favorite sport. I watch basketball all day compared to football now. And I coach all three of my kids' basketball teams under my organization. So I'm, basketball is my first love. But football became my my main source of Um, success and I actually have a brother that I grew up with that he was probably the better of the two of us at football but I was better than him better than him at basketball he wants to be a basketball player and he was a great linebacker football should have played football but he wanted to play basketball and he decided to go to college and play basketball but he probably was a better football player than me in high school and he decided he wants to play basketball but I made the right decision and stuck with football. That was a 5'11 point guard. And as you can see now in the NBA, there's not a lot of 5'11 point guards.
1: Yeah, not, not too many of those. A lot less roster spots, too, in the, in the yes. NBA compared to the NFL. Yes.
0: Especially for 5'11, 200-pound guys.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. So was there, like, was there an age to where you, you kind of got to a point in high school like, okay, you know if, if I'm going to go to college and do this thing, it, it's going to be football.
0: Um, you know, like, I got a letter, actually, my senior year, I got a letter from Connecticut, I got an offer, and they sent it to my basketball coach. And I thought it was for basketball. So I was like, Oh, I'm done with football, like Connecticut, you know, this is when UConn was UConn, and they were like, winning championships and stuff. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to school to play basketball. Well, we read into the letter, my, my basketball coach read it, and it was from football. And so it was a full wide scholarship offer for football, and at the time UConn was switching over to Division One, so they couldn't compete for championships and stuff. So that was one of the reasons why I didn't end up going there. But that's kind of when I made the decision that I probably should play football. So I didn't have a lot of basketball offers.
1: Well, when you think back so, it it to your time at at, uh, at Beatrice, was there? either football or basketball, I guess was, was there a game or a moment like when you look back and think, Oh, that game or that particular play is kind of one of your favorites that you, you ever think back to?
0: Hmm. I guess my favorite play would be, that was my junior year though. My junior year, I had a run. that was, I literally made like seven people miss and ran for like 60 yard touchdown. And I just, that play sticks out in my head a lot. Cause my, my old football coach, Coach Sexton, always says it's the greatest run he's ever seen live. So that one kind of sticks out in my head. And as I was running down the field, I was laughing with my teammates because <laughs> of what it just had happened. So it was it, that's just what sticks up in my head. But that moment, and there, I mean, there's plenty of other moments I can think of. Um, nothing like individually, like something I did all by myself, obviously. Just, just fun times and just... Great um competition in high school and going against some people that stuck out. I can't think his name was Brian Florendez or something like that. He was a great running back, and I remember my senior year and his senior year us competing against each other. it was just it was just a fun experience.
1: Well, is everybody I think at that age or, or even younger, I guess you know always has kind of a somebody maybe they try to pattern their game after did you have that running back growing up and who, and who was it?
0: um I had a lot of different running backs in college. But let me step back um, in high school and, and before then a lot of people don't even remember this guy, Ricky waters, awesome running back, catch the ball at the backfield. He could run, he could block, he could do everything. And just those running backs that really could do everything. And you have some backs that are just, you know, speed and some running backs that are just power. You know, the Christian McCoy I'm sure chiefs fans know him very well, but I wanted to always be able to do, a little bit of everything. I always said the be the jack of all trades, but the master of none was kind of my motto. And so like in college, uh, he was big when I was there. Priest Holmes was like my guy because I got compared a lot to him and what his running style and what he did. And I just, I did like his running style. He was patient, but powerful. And so I just, I liked those running backs that were could do everything. Uh, LaDanny Thompson was small, funny. I ended up playing with him with the jets for a little bit, but um, he was another one. of Those guys could do everything.
1: Well, it's funny. So, that, yeah, there was, <laughs> yeah you, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's funny you mentioned Ricky Waters. That's a name I haven't thought of. What Seahawks and you play for the Niners maybe too. Niners
0: and he played for the Eagles. I was a big Eagles fan growing okay. up. Philadelphia Eagles was my team, and when he came to Philadelphia, I was fell in love with him and watching. And he always put this. He always had this little nose strap. <laughs> so I used to put the nose strap on my nose and stuff <laughs> when I was younger.
1: So. Oh, that's funny. Well, I was a big football card collector back in the day, you know, back in the nineties as I was growing up and things. So, so yep. I, uh, yeah, yep. I, I, I had his
0: few and, waters cars that oh, you yeah. didn't even plan to have. Yep. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's how I have, that's how I was.
1: That's great. So, so then talk about, okay, so you're getting ready to come out of high school. You're, you're looking at different colleges. I, I kind of know this story because I, I was able to talk to, to coach T and we'll hear from him later in this episode, but you know, I I know you, you growing up in Nebraska, I mean, it, you know, it, Every kid from Nebraska wants to play the University of Nebraska, right?
0: Um, incorrect. Oh, okay. I did not want to go to Nebraska. That was my coach at the time, and he's passed away since, and God rest his soul. But he wanted me to go to Nebraska really bad. I wanted to go to um, – my number one school was Colorado State and Iowa State. And Iowa State actually came to the school, and they told my coach. They offered me, and he told them that I had already committed to Nebraska. So a lot of the schools that was recruiting me at the time had kind of fell off because they thought I had already taken an offer from Nebraska. But Nebraska ended up um, offering me a gray shirt at the end, and so I didn't want my mom to have to pay for my college, so that's why I ended up at Northwest.
1: And was there, I mean, uh, other than the scholarship part, I mean, did, you know, obviously the, the championships and, and you know, fairly recently before that 98, 99, I mean, you know, what was it, what, what was your thought, I guess, when I assume you came on a visit to, to Maryville, what were your thoughts? Cause Beatrice isn't a very no. big town either. Is it kind of similar no. to Maryville? Yeah.
0: Very similar to Maryville, a little bit bigger, but very similar. I will tell you my, um, my number one motivation was coach Sabota, um, When I came on, well, Coach Boswick, too, (laughs) Coach Boswick was awesome on my, um, he came to visit and he tells stories about me dunking in high school, even though I never dunked. He used to tell stories about me dunking because I used to get up really high and put the ball back in. And he thought I was just this amazing athlete. But when he, when I came on my visit, uh, Northwest had not had a running back that I don't know if nobody had rushed for a thousand yards or whatever it was. It had been a while. It had been a passing school. Uh, Chris Gryson, of course, you have a guy like that. I wouldn't run the ball either, right? So, you know, people like Chris Gryson, wide receivers like Jamaica Rector and Tony Miles, people like that, they were a passing school. So when I came to visit, Coach Sabota took me in the room and he put on tape and he said it was Jesse Haynes and he said to me, can you be as great as Jesse Haynes? And he turned on the film and I'm not going to lie, I was amazed but I told him, I said, I'll be better. <laughs> so that was, I will tell you, that was, I, I when he challenged me, I, that's something I don't, it's not that I don't like. I that's It brings the best out of me. And when he challenged me on my visit and they were a winning school, you know, they had won 98, 99 and gotten far in the in the early 2000s. And it was just like, wow, this is a, you know, it's not D1 that I wanted to go, but if I'm going to go to a lower division, I mean, this is the best opportunity that I'm going to have. And Coach T, of course, uh, God, what can you say about that guy? That is um, the best father figure person I've ever had in my life and just talking with him. And, you know, I just, my mom was comfortable with him on our first visit. He was very um, comfortable to talk to and he just put it out there, you know, the challenge and You know, that I could have my dream if I really wanted it, if I pushed myself hard enough um, that I could accomplish anything that I wanted to. And so that was what led me to my uh, decision to come to Northwest or go to Northwest.
1: Well, I'm glad you brought up Jesse Haynes because if you weren't, I was going to. Now, I have <laughs> never, t- I I have not shared this story with you prior to <laughs> prior to us recording here. But so you and I had speech together your red shirt year, and there was <laughs> you and another football player, and I don't remember his name. I'm not even sure if he ever, um, you know, if he if he didn't indeed transfer or stick around with. I think Lori Durbin was our was our teacher <laughs> was the professor, <laughs> and so we had to do all of these speeches, right? And I, the first one I remember was this interview speech we had to do. And I've told this story on this podcast before, and I tell everyone because it's my Xavier Oman story, by the way. Oh. So is, uh, you know, we're doing these interview speeches. You get up there and you had interviewed Jesse Haynes. And I remember you saying something along the lines of, you know, and I told him at the end that I'm going to break every one of his school records. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember thinking, who is this guy? you know, And I, and I go after, I kind of asked some of my friends and they're like, Oh, he's, he's pretty good. You know, he was coming out of Nebraska pretty highly regarded. I'm like, huh? Well, we'll see. Well, boy, did we yeah. see. And that, that's my favorite. That's my personal <laughs> story. <laughs> and that's, I, I just love that. Cause that's, uh, <laughs> that's so yeah, great. Jesse and I,
0: was, Jesse was the guy that, um, oh, I will say if he had four years in Northwest, the boy, the four years that I had, uh, who knows if I would have broke the records that he did have. Uh, he was a amazing running back that, he kind of gets overlooked because he did—he had such a short stint here or short stint at Northwest. But I mean, he's the person that was my motivation because I wanted to be better in Jesse, but it was going to take a lot. Jesse did help me out a lot. He was at Northwest at the time, my freshman year, he was helping out with coaching on the side. So Jesse had a big role in my success at Northwest because he helped me out a ton early on. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I would have turned out to be the player that I was without somebody like Jesse helping me out. And if you haven't got a chance to watch the film on Jesse Haynes, just get up there and watch some football on him. He was an amazing running back. and He was, I mean, hes he was the running back to beat, to be better than. So uh, Jesse is, he gets overshadowed a lot by uh, other people's success, but he was a, an amazing running back
1: well and and so you you come to northwest right and and i've I've heard lots of stories i've heard you talk about it before obviously you know i've heard coach t talk about it a lot about kind of um you know your mindset when you first came to northwest and obviously you could see right you you had d1 schools looking at you and things what talk a little bit about kind of what your mindset was you know when when you first you know you come to northwest you redshirt like pretty much everyone did and and mm-hmm. even now does um, you know, what, what was kind of your, your thought process?
0: Um, you know, I will tell you those first couple weeks or months or whatever was hard. Cause I was, I'm overly competitive. And so, you know, you have a bunch of seniors and scout team, you're trying to be scout team and you want to get recognized and you want people to, to know who you are. And then here you are red shirting, which sucks. Cause I had just came from playing high school football and, you know, used to playing in front of people on games and stuff all the time, so red shirting really sucked, and going to the games and watching other people do something you thought you could do better than them at, but I definitely needed that time, so it was just, my mindset was to get bigger, stronger, faster. I think I came in at about 195 pounds, 190, 195, whatever, and then by, my, by the next year, my first year, actually getting to play, I got up to like 210, so uh, my mindset was just to get bigger, stronger, faster. <laughs> so many stories of um, <laughs> Adam Longs and even Dave Tollesons and, you know, compete and fight with them. And it was, <laughs> it was, a, it was a bumpy beginning, but it, it turned out really well.
1: Well, and, and, you know, you, your star to your redshirt freshman year, you, you, you know, you played a little bit the first couple of games, I think you scored a touchdown in fact in, in the first game. A more I
0: fumbled on the first touchdown, by the way. I should have had another touchdown, but I fumbled in the back of the end zone. Oh really? <laughs> Never forget that. Yes.
1: <laughs> well then we, well then that. we go to game three, your first collegiate start, and you go for two twenty one and a touchdown. I mean, talk about <laughs> talk about going, you know, kind of a coming out party. What I mean, did it you know, did that game give you a lot of confidence or do you have any special memories or anything from that one?
0: Um, I wouldn't call them special. My friend, one of my great friends in high school, Aunt Sam Spady had died the week before and I had dedicated that game to her and I had went to her funeral the night before. And it was just a, like I said, she was my best, not girlfriend that I dated, but girl as in friend that I was friends with, um, in high school and just shocking, she had passed away from alcohol poisoning up at Colorado State. That's where I wanted to go to school. And um, so I had dedicated that game to her and um, coaches. I remember before the game told me, you know, they're going to – he's going to ride me. He's going like, if I'm doing well, he's going to keep me in there. And I just told him, give me the ball. And I always told the coaches, just give me the ball and I'll figure it out. <laughs> I didn't know – I didn't I didn't learn a lot of stuff until later on as far as blocking schemes and what to look for. I was just kind of a kid out there running senseless, but I figured it out. And it was, uh, you know, I had some awesome, awesome linemen that don't get credit for games like that and the success I had. And it was just fun running behind them and running with them. And I think my favorite memory from the game is um, I think we're on the goal line and I did a front flip into the end zone. And I landed in, I think it was Mike Peterson's hand. I was, I looked at him. And he looked at me. I said, "Did you see that?" It was, <laughs> <laughs> man, he was laughing like we're laughing in the end zone. It was, it was hilarious. I wish I could find that tape. That was, uh, that was a fun, that was a fun memory.
1: Well that, party. Well, that whole season was just kind of a, a fun season. I mean, other than you know Lambo's injury that season, you know, it was, it was kind of a bounce back. We'd missed the playoffs the year before. In fact, my sophomore year at Northwest 03 was the last time we missed the plus which is just insane to even say that out loud by the way yeah. but um you know but but that season bounced back start out 10 and 0 of course you know couldn't couldn't get past pit at Arrowhead or down at Pitt but um you know it was it was kind of a you know, I think and and coach has talked to me about this about this season kind of setting up you know, those five straight title runs, although the first four were losses was, you know, kind of a bounce back. year like this. Do you have any other kind of special memories from, um, from that 2004 season?
0: Um, one of my, I guess I, people don't know this and I play with, not sure if you remember the name, Jamaica Rector. I don't know how Mm -hmm. you couldn't, if you're a Bearcat fan, that's, I think is the greatest all around Bearcat of all time. That's my pick. Um, but I remember we played a game at Truman and we were in overtime. we were on the one-yard line and fourth down and coach asked Coach Um uh, Tatum. Coach Tatum asked Jamaica. and this Jamaica's a senior at this time. And of course he's an all-American and all this stuff. And Coach Tatum said, Jamaica, do you want the ball? And coach and Jamaica said, no, give it to caught. Called- he used to call me Booby <laughs> from um, whatever that Friday Night Lights He used to say. He was like, give Booby the ball, and uh, I end up scoring. But it just to me, that moment showed, you know, like that's at this point, he's an All American again, my greatest player of all time, all around player of all time. And in that moment, like how unselfish of a player he was, senior. I know it was probably obviously it's a running back on the goal line or throwing up to a wide receiver. But a lot of people would have been like, give me the ball, you know, and to see or hear Jamaica tell coach to give me the ball and trust me in that moment to make that play. That was like, a, I don't, I don't want to say life-changing, but it just, it meant so much to me because he didn't have to do that. You know, we could have said he wanted the ball and been very selfish about it and, he didn't. He cared about winning. And I think that's at that moment, I think that was like my realization about being not just a team player, because I I don't call myself selfish. I was just determined to win. But I thought winning, you know, give me the ball. That's what's going to happen. That's how we're going to win is every single time. Give me the ball. And here my teammate, who's a senior All-American, probably the best player in college football at the time tell them to give the ball to a freshman and trust them that just uh, is it's um insp- it's very inspiring people don't know that about jamaica um and he's one of my great friends to this day but that was just a, that was an awesome moment for me being so young and being trusted with so much uh, the carry of the team
1: well it's interesting that you bring up that game because um sidebar you became the first uh, freshman in, and I think the only one in Northwest history thus far to to have a thousand yards in the season in that game. But going into that game, Northwest is eight and O number three in the country. <laughs> Truman's zero and eight.
0: And eight. This,
1: <laughs> I'll be honest. I've talked to some of my different friends and things about, I I want to look into this game and almost do a, um you know, do like a deep dive. Process. Yeah, like a deep dive into this game because it's such a crazy conundrum. I mean, you don't see that. And, I mean, you, you know what? You guys pulled it out in the end, and, and it, it's a win, you know. It's, of course, the hickory stick and other things. But just such a disparity in the records of the two teams that it ends up being such a great game is always yeah. is always just kind of crazy.
0: It was definitely going to be the upset of the year. <laughs> we were – I mean, I think, we, I think we came into that game I, – I don't – I mean, they passed – all over us they had like 450 yards passing and i don't know what happened or where it came from but i just remember there was a lot of screaming from coach boswick <laughs> we would score and they would score and it was that's i just remember a lot of screaming and i remember that play at the end of the game and that's why i remember most about that game
1: yeah, that's awesome well I'm, I'm glad you brought that one up so um so, so then we got to talk about 05, right? You're, you're a sophomore, you're the road dogs. That's what we talk about. In fact, um, coach, uh, coach Churchman came on and, and him and I, uh, we went through game by game and talked about that entire season earlier this year when they had the, you know, when the team, uh, when you guys went into the, the, uh, uh-huh. M club hall of fame and, uh, you know, that, that, uh, you know, another, another great year. I mean, and, and the thing is with, with, 2005 is you miss a couple of games in the season um but just I mean what stands out to you I mean is it just the the I don't know there was something special though about the makeup of this team and even though guys didn't go all the way I mean it's regarded maybe as, as not the greatest but but some of us fans that saw it it's it's one of our very favorite Bearcat teams of all time
0: Well, it was the beginning of um, the, I consider Northwest comeback, putting us back on the map, you know, since, what was it, 98? Had it been since they've been in the championship?
1: 99. It was Mm -hmm.
0: 99, sorry, 98, 99, you're right. So, you know, six years later, um, and, you know, the thing that everybody else thinks about is the road dogs and going on the road. I remember the off season. I remember um, at the time would be Andre Rector, you know, pushing us in OTAs and, um, I said OTAs, that's football, that's NFL. But basically seven on seven in, in the offseason in summer, um, running with, <laughs> running for Coach Wright. Oh, my God. Running for Coach Wright and um, all the stuff we did in the offseason. And things at the beginning didn't go great. I had a sprained ankle. I missed the first – or not first. I missed two games. Um, Lamberson was coming back from his injury. We were just, you know, not – we didn't start off hot, <laughs> so we didn't gel together very well at the beginning, but once we did, it just, like you said, it's something that you remember that was really special. And it, we had such great leaders on that team. Um, Wilcox, Olds uh, I can't think of all the people right now, but we had, I remember running behind, you know, people considered, um, I remember at the beginning of the year, they can, they rated our offensive line, like a C in, they were so wrong that was one of the toughest awesome offensive line keith holden those guys like that that just they would do anything to get that extra yard and our defense was the same way dave tollison and me fought all off season and literally we had challenges every week and he'll tell you this during that year every week i had to carry their pads if i didn't get a certain amount of yards he makes up a story it was like 5 yards it was not 5 yards so don't <laughs> listen to his lies but we <laughs> we had like comp- we were always competing so i think that really brought the best out of us and by the time we got to the playoffs and we luckily got in the playoffs <laughs> we luckily got in the playoffs and next thing like I, we knew once we got in that we didn't think anybody could beat us at that time, we were we were fully gelled, and we wanted to play. I think we went to Pitt State. I think all the teams that beat us, Pitt State and Washburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought somebody else beat us too, but I'm not sure. We had lost a couple games, but we went back on the road and beat them. And we just knew before the game that we were we were ready to face them again. So it was just an awesome season because for me, it was awesome because of the off season. I know the work that we put in. I know the the coaches, the work that they put in. And again, it didn't start off hot. You know, I got hurt. Lambo was coming back. Our defense was had new players and stuff. But once we got rolling, it was uh, almost unstoppable.
1: Well, and and obviously, you know, like, you know, and I know you'll say this, that it's it's not all you. And we know that we we know that. But, you know, your career high at the time was against Angelo State in the first round of the playoffs, 225. And, uh, you know, obviously, you having great performances in the playoffs was is a kind of a theme of your time at northwest and uh you know that th- the amazing thing that kind of stuck out to me was that pit state game i think it was 42-14 at halftime and the final score didn't i think it was 56-35 it sounds maybe a little closer than the game was in the uh in the, in the first half and, and coach T tells a great story about how he's coming in the locker room and, and, and coach Bostwick says, coach, I don't think you need to yell at him today or something like that. <laughs> but then, you know, you guys bounce back a, a month later and you, you know, you go down to pit, you know, you, in, and beat them. And of course that amazing North Alabama game and, and the, the classic Grand Valley game too, and the championship game that just, you know, just, uh, you know, a pass in the end zone away from, from winning that one. Just, uh, it's just awesome and and uh, e- even though I'm sure there was a lot of disappointment for for you guys and yeah there were so many great seniors and leaders and things on that team it's just one that is uh, is in the hearts of, of a lot of us fans I think
0: yeah and I mean it's in the hearts of a lot of our of us players too that's one to not forget and like I said I think that was the beginning of the comeback story for Northwest and it just would be the story of what Northwest does you know fighting to the end. I know we didn't win it, but from everything we came through that year, on the leadership, you know Dave Tolleson, uh, I can't even think of all the people on there. But there were so many seniors on that on that team: Keith Holden, Wilcox, these players that you know gave their all. Um, wasn't a whole lot of expectation from us, and I think people were, especially when we lost a couple games. I think they kind of you know got down on us. But I will tell you. Um, and the main person, of course, you got to give him credit is coach T and how he held us together and, you know, kept us going and he didn't let us get down to ourselves. Even when we did lose games, you know, he found a way to find a positive in, in the, in the losses. And so when you have leaders like that and, um, you know, Dave was NFL talent, you know, there's our offensive line was underrated, very awesome loss, offensive line. Of course you have hall of famer, Josh Lamerson leading the way, just, we had a lot of pieces, and it just clicked at the end, and it was awesome. It was awesome to be a part of.
1: Well, talk about when you, because I know you guys gathered after the the win against Southwest Baptists, and and it was you know long shot, we're not going to make the you know probably not going to make the playoffs, and you guys gathered together as a team. What was just the um and i know uh my buddy jake phillips who i've had on here a lot of people call him psycho he was bobby the bearcat at the time and he's good yep. friends with dave and so he was there with you guys and he's told me the story and things before and and uh, but just what was the feeling like just at that moment i mean did you guys I'm i'm guessing you just went nuts right
0: Well, you know, (laughs) I'm glad I can tell this. I'm glad this is, what, how many years later? Uh, 17? (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yes.
0: 17 years later? Okay, so I actually wasn't there. (laughs) So everybody got together. I was pissed at the time. I don't know what was going on. But I didn't go. Selfish. And I just did I was, I don't remember what was going on, but I didn't go. But I remember getting the call and everybody, you know, I heard everybody screaming in the background. And I immediately got excited. Like, I immediately was, like, super excited because I was, like, here, we get another chance to prove ourselves. And I I know I had had a sprained ankle, so I didn't have the year that I wanted to have at that point, to that point. And I knew this was another opportunity for me to um, show what I could do and uh, redeem myself for what I thought was kind of a down year from the freshman year that I had had before. But, yeah, long – I don't even know what the story is behind it. I really don't remember if you asked Coach T. I don't even know if they knew I wasn't there, but I was not there. So don't tell anybody. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I hear about that all the time. Everybody's celebrating, but I wasn't there. So
1: <laughs> we'll talk about it. I mean, yeah. Coach T does talk about a, a, an attitude change with you, um, you know, kind of in in how, you know, you were approaching things kind of between – your sophomore and junior seasons, and, yeah. and what what was kind of going through your mind, and how how did your mindset change coming off of that O five team and that great run to then going into into two thousand six?
0: Um, like I said, I had a trouble um, raising. Um, like I said, with my brothers, and a lot of that was I didn't know how to deal with it. Um, what fourteen year old kid knows how to deal with finding his brother hanging himself? You know, so I took a lot of that. <laughs> pain and burden with me to college and so when I got there of course me playing so young I didn't feel um I didn't feel like I could connect with a lot of people um my teammates and stuff because I didn't do a lot of things people did I didn't drink I didn't smoke I've never smoked obviously I've never I didn't have my first drink till I was 24 so things that a lot of people were doing I didn't get to do and a lot of my teammates that were my age at the time that weren't getting as much playing time and stuff. Cause I was a starter so young, I didn't get to hang out with them or do a lot with them. And a lot of that was on me because I just kept myself away from that stuff. So my attitude change started coming really in that, that road dog run uh, going into my junior year. I just had to realize, you know, I'm, at this point I'm going to have to be a leader. You know, Dave Tolson and these other guys, Jamaica's not here, Dre Rector Well, Lamberson, these guys aren't going to be here no more. And coach T challenged me to be more than just, I mean, he took me in his office and he challenged me just to be more than just a player, you know, be a leader. Um, he, he did it. and was just, he really was just very uh, straightforward about it. <laughs> he didn't beat around the bush. It was just like, look, you're an awesome player. You're an amazing player, but you're not a great leader. And Again, I told you about me and challenges and that was that meant a lot to me for him. you know he's challenged me now I gotta I gotta prove him wrong. And after our championship game, coach Tatum, actually probably the most defining moment in my one of the most defining moments of my Northwest career was coach Tatum after we lost, I was sitting in the locker room and I was just my head down and pissed. Um, he came up to me. And he, I was crying, and he said, "Hey, like, you know, don't cry." He said, "I want you to know." and He ended up leaving after this, but he said, "You have not scratched the surface of your talent yet." And when he said it, I was, a sob, I'm like, "What does he mean?" And then, of course, he left and went to Southwest Baptist. So I thought, "Hell with this guy, anyway." But <laughs> the more I started thinking about what he said, um, I understood what he meant. Um, between my sophomore and Senior year, I was up to 225 from 210. Just I was stronger, faster, just a lot of stuff. And I always that what he said to me after that game sticks in my head because I I mean, I didn't know what he meant, but clearly he knew what he was talking about. And like I said, Coach T, the attitude change came from Coach T challenged me to be a better leader, not just an amazing athlete. And it meant a lot to me.
1: Well, and also going into that junior, you, you changed numbers. You went from thirty-three to two. And I, I'll be honest with you, I'm sure I've heard this story before, but I don't remember it. <laughs> what was behind the behind the number change?
0: Well, the sto- <laughs> Well, so this everybody the story was Xavier changed his number because um, I got two carries in the second half of the championship game. We had rush. They hadn't given up a hundred yard rusher. Grand Valley had never given up a hundred yard rusher in the last like fifty games or something ridiculous. And I had 90 something at half. And then we went in the second half and we stopped running the ball, blah, blah, blah. We were, I got the ball twice. And so the initial story was, oh, he changed it to two to represent the two times he got the ball. It's not true. Um, I changed my number to two because to represent my two brothers that passed away. And uh, yeah, that's it. I just wanted to, I don't like needles, scary needles to this day. And I will never get a tattoo. So my way of honoring them was to change my number to two. And so that's what I did.
1: Well, then we go to 2006, and and uh, you know another another great start to the year. In fact, a, a great run all the way again, run into Grand Valley. Things that kind of stand out to me. I know you know that was again kind of injuries creep up, miss a couple of games due to injuries. But I think a lot of us remember that Shadron State game where you know it was always. I, I don't know if it was a big deal to you or not um or 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 maybe the 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 defense or anything like that if there was extra motivation for for you know you versus Danny Woodhead but in the minds of us fans right that was a thing even though you guys weren't on the field at the same time and you had 158 <laughs> yards in that playoff game he ends up with 14 although he had some catches and some other things um to get some other yards other ways but um that's one of the games that I always remember from that season. Is that playoff game? Was that ever a thing? I mean, did that ever, I mean, obviously that comes to play in 07 to the year later in the, in the playoffs, kind of the you Danny Woodhead thing. But I mean, is that something you ever really thought about?
0: Um, Well, of course it was a challenge because that's all people <laughs> talked about was, you know, me versus him, which doesn't make sense. Cause I don't tackle, I never tackled him once in my life. So um, <laughs> people that had to worry about Danny Woodhead was the Kyle Kaisers and uh, Ben harnesses. And they're the ones that shut him down. And I was, Um, but it did in my head, of course, I wanted to out, you know, shine him because he got so much recognition and I just, I remember looking at his stats and seeing what he had done and of course his defense his um, his team's defense was the best ranked defense in their conference and we just ran all over them. They just weren't, they just weren't that good. So it just, you know, it was a challenge of course. And I told you again how I like challenges. And so our defense <clears throat> came in and just slaughtered him. I, did, I remember, I remember seeing Kyle Kaiser on top of that dude, like every play <laughs> it was, it was an awesome time to watch. And that playoff game, I, I remember um, I came back from, I broke my ribs, got had like 160 yards at halftime against central and then this guy speared me it's a funny story that i ran into that guy like a couple years ago and he talked about spearing me on purpose and but it was all you know that's years later whatever i don't care but i had had to come back I had to wear a rib cage and stuff a rib thing protector and i do remember that being i think that was my first game back because i had missed the last two and um yeah that was just again one of those comeback times and um the games I did miss were big games. We played Pitt state at Arrowhead. I missed that game where Southern cook land for like 172 yards or something like that. And then the next week we played Southwest Baptist and he had a good um, game there too, which I was happy for him, but I was just upset because I wasn't out there helping my team. And so I was doing everything I could to come back. And that, I mean, that's, that's what I remember about that. We had that playoff run too, which, and we were led by our defense. We had an awesome defense that year, and of course, great coaching staff as well.
1: And and then, of course, you know that leads into into '07, the senior year, one of the honestly great years any running backs had in in Division II. Um, you know, the talk about the stats. I mean, they're, they're nuts. You know, t- twenty three hundred yards, thirty seven touchdowns. You know, all of all of these things. But there there are some moments that I then I always think of obviously the playoffs we'll get to that in a moment, but probably my favorite moment and everybody goes for the, for the 98 yard run, right. Where you zig and zag and, yeah, and Brandon Carr yeah. can't catch you. But uh, I go to the fourth and goal at Arrowhead in overtime <coughs> against Pitt state to, uh, to win that game in, uh, in 38, 35, it was your, I think you scored all five touchdowns for us in that game. I'm pretty sure. And, uh, but the, am I remembering this right? Were you injured in overtime? Yes. <laughs> had you come off of the field?
0: I, I no, I was, I was cramping up my whole okay. right hand. I couldn't my right hand it cramped up. So I actually like was holding, I think I went over the top with my left hand. I can actually, that's funny. My arm's tingling. Cause I can still remember um, that play and my body. I don't know if I was starting to have like a full body cramp or what, but that was my right arm was completely cramped up and, So that was, yeah, that was, people remember the 98-yard run, but that one stood out more because, you know, obviously Pitt State was a rivalry and game-winning touchdown, and this you can't ask for better than that. And I just remember my teammates being, you know, like, I felt like that game where they were leaning 100% on me, like, carry us to this game or carry us to this victory. And so that that does stick out probably more to me than the 98-yard run. I know people remember that. I still hear people talk about that, but the arrowhead game just sticks out to me because I felt like when I, mean, I felt like I was a leader by example, but I felt like that game people literally were looking at me like carry us to this victory and I felt like I did it at the end or I helped do it, I should say.
1: Well, and I remember the the eighty six points against Southwest Baptist. There were some close games too. I think Central Washburn was close. Even Fort Hayes, who wasn't Fort Hayes now. They that <laughs> was that would end up being kind of a kind of a close, low scoring game. I mean, there was a there w- were some um, you know, kind of tough, hard fought games that season.
0: Yeah, I think we lost at the beginning of the year, didn't we? To U mm-hmm. and Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that season was I do remember going into that season, um, So calm. So I was, I was ready to be done with college. (laughs) I was, but I was going into that season. I actually went out to Colorado with my friend, and his his mom and dad have this like cottage out in the mountains. And he took me out there, and I didn't have a cell phone, so no girlfriend could bother me. Nobody could talk to me, and I was out there for like three days, and I literally was just like man in the in the mountains, just calm and we climbed up to the highest peak in the mountains. And I remember just standing on top of there and I just was like, this is my year. This is my, I'm going to have the best year of my career. I, I felt it. And, and Yeah, it was, uh, it was an awesome year. It was, yeah, it was a memorable year for not, I mean, everybody talks about the stats and the yards and I guess I don't look at that stuff because, I mean, I remember doing it, but so much of that stuff I had, Tom Pestock and Reed Kirby and Matt Nelson and um, Dunn and uh, oh my God, I'm I'm drawing a blank here. Um, what is he just won the Hall of Fame this year? Oh my God, offensive lineman. What is his name? Why am I? I can see his face. Jeremy Davis. Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had, you know, I had the best relationship with these guys. Like the beginning of the season, I took them all out to eat and. It was. I had the best relationship with them, and I think that um, set the precedence for the season because not only did I trust them, but they trusted me, um, and we just gelled. And that's really what what happened that year was with all the stats and the touchdowns and everything that that offensive line and me. We just I knew what they were going to do, why they were going to do it, when they were going to do it. Um, Joel Osborne ended up being the quarterback in the end. We had some great wide receivers that were willing to block down the field, which means a lot. I mean, Kendall Wright was one of the best down the field. He was skinny as a pin, but that kid would get down the field and block for you. And we just, everybody knew what to do and why they were doing it. It was a very unselfish season. So that's what I remember the most about that team.
1: Well, and coach had talked to me about too, that you Um, You know, you you talk about him challenging you kind of to step up, be a leader, and and for the first time, you became a captain before your senior year, but not only that, but a unanimous captain. And so, you know, I think that – did that mean – was that something that meant a lot to you?
0: Yeah, because the year before, I wanted to be a captain, and um, I wasn't, and it bothered me because I felt like – I felt like I had earned it or I deserved it, but – I clearly at that point hadn't because I didn't get selected as a captain. So my senior year to, to get selected as a captain and, you know, the reins behind literally be handed over to me to lead this team. It just, it meant a lot. And I know I had put in the work and um, it wasn't just my teammates knowing that coach T and then trusted me too. Cause I put coach T, <laughs> I put him through a lot. He had to deal with an 18 year old Xavier Oman, which I look back on now I'm like wow <laughs> wow like what a basket case and coach T you know took that kid and, and turned him into a man and that's that means the world to me
1: well and I think it's so it's so neat to hear the two of you talk about each other I mean I remember back to that Grand Valley semifinal game um where I think it was in the pregame they had had um you know an, an interview I don't remember if it was an audio clip from coach T or, or if it was just, um, I, heck it might've even been after the game. I don't remember if it was an interview with him or if the announcers were just quoting something that they had told him, but it was talking about basically you and how much you had matured and things. And, you know, and, and I've heard you talk about him before too. And, and that's, I don't know. I think that's really cool. You guys have a really special relationship and that's, that's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. Coach T was, um, I'd never, I didn't have a dad. I never knew my dad, my mom, very strong woman who didn't have a great relationship, but a very strong woman, but coach T was the first father type figure, meaning the first person, first man that showed me love. And so coach. So, I mean, even to this day, you know, he's, I have three kids. You can ask him about my kids. He can tell you about them. And he, I take him up there to see him and um, he will always be a huge part of my life. And he means a lot to me. So like I said, he took a troubled, I don't call myself a basket case, but if you want to call me that, you can. But <clears throat> I think I was just an immature 18-year-old boy that had a lot of struggles and didn't know how to deal with them. And Coach T took that boy and turned him into a man. So And the way I raise my kids to this day comes from some of the stuff that I learned from Coach T and how he went about, you know, raising us as young men and some of that, same, some of those same lessons I take into raising my kids today. So it it really means the world to me to have him in my life.
2: Well,
1: well, let's kind of pick up back with with the playoffs, right? And the and the, the this is just this is just unbelievable. The two top rushing performances in Northwest single game history are two games in the playoffs at Chadron and then at Grand Valley State, the Ice Bowl, whatever you want to call it, and, and over 600 yards in those two games, which is a season for a lot of, for a lot of guys, um, you know, it's just you, 309, three touchdowns and Chadron. I didn't, wasn't able to go to the game, but it had snowed, right? Weren't there big piles of snow on the sidelines of, I'm, am I thinking yeah, of that game, to, right?
0: Yes. They had to, uh, clear the field before the game. Cause you couldn't even see the field. It was very snowy up there. It was awesome though. Like that's like a running max dream, <laughs> just snow and slush and, Nobody, you know, obviously I'm running the ball, so I know what I'm doing, but they don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> it's it's the running back's dream to have a terrible field like that. Or it was my dream, I should say. I loved it.
1: And was it? I mean, was there extra, you know, were you extra motivated again? You're facing Danny Woodhead. I mean, you outrushed him 309 to 91. That's, you know, that's uh, nuts. And I mean, that's a game, you know, that us fans will talk about forever and ever that in the next one, Grand Valley. I mean, are those, uh, you know, w- was there some extra, you know, you talk about, you know, being challenged and things like that. Were you, it seems like you're probably ready to go on that one.
0: I will say one of my biggest from the Grand Valley game was um, at the time they were selecting for what is con- what is the Harlan Hill, which is the Heisman of the D2. And I was up for it. And I think it was a regional type thing. I'm not sure how that worked out, mm-hmm. but I had gotten word right before that I had lost that I had got, you know, Danny was moving on and I wasn't, and I remember thinking, <laughs> I remember thinking I'm gonna prove them wrong, and prove that they made a huge mistake, and um, yeah, so I mean, I, we just, it was what it was. You say three hundred nine? I wonder, is that my career high? I don't yes, know. Yes, that, yeah, and
1: that's the single game record for for Northwest. Yeah, that was at Shadron, and then then you followed up with two ninety two um, against Grand Valley three touchdowns for rushing you caught another one I, there's a couple obviously you know, we talk about the 98 yard run I want to talk about that in a minute but there's a couple of plays that, that I remember one is a screen pass that you, I don't remember you got like 3 or 4 yards or something one of your you you, you catch it one handed and uh, we're down I don't remember if it was goal to go or what and you know you're running to the end zone and one of your offensive linemen just absolutely run. But completely by accident, it runs into you. Yeah. and just flattens you. And I was like, "Oh, yeah. there would have been another touchdown." Yeah,
0: yeah. The one. Hey, thanks for bringing that one-handed catch up too, because nobody thinks nobody thought I could catch the ball.
1: The, yeah, so, that was impressive. Nah. You had <laughs> was, soft hands. That's something you I didn't did, get a lot of credit I did, for. I but.
0: did, and I will brag about that. I mm-hmm. catch the ball. I just Coach T was like, "Nope." I asked him. I begged him. Put me back on kickoff return, and he said, "Nope." so I mean I think he made the right choice obviously coach knew what he was doing but I wanted to catch the ball or run routes but we had great receivers so I I did what he told me to do (laughs) (laughs) he made the right choice but thanks for pointing out the catch because nobody ever talks about that that's hilarious you really know football because you really (laughs) nobody points that out when they talk about that game
1: that game's on YouTube (laughs) and in fact when I was talking to coach um he said he had went back and watched that game cuz he brought up here, here's a great throwback if you're only you'll know this name if you played with him or if you're a really hardcore fan, Caleb Obert, who Obert, is actually yes. a oh great, God, yes. he's been a great high school coach now. I think yes. he's up in Iowa, but, but he had one of it. He might've had his first catch of the season and career yeah. in that game. There was like a fourth big and catch, 16 though. big catch, and he runs up the seam and just gets <laughs> yeah. clobbered and he hangs on to it. And that was big catch. Yeah. That was, that was catch, great. Yes. And, and coach brings that up and he said, you know, that's, a, you know, one of those guys that, fans don't talk about you know that put in his five years and everything and then you know comes to kind of shine in a, in a on a big play like that that's pretty cool
0: yeah Albert was like you said he doesn't get a lot of credit but that game he stepped up and one of our receivers had quit um one of our senior receivers had quit in the middle of the year and so caleb kind of came in and he just did the dirty work to block him down the field if you go watch those films um of my runs you're going to see, you know, the Caleb Obers and Abe Quads and Kendall Wrights. You're going to see on my runs, you're going to see lots of blocking down the field. So I know I get a lot of credit and I I don't I don't care what people think about me, talking about my teammates extra, but that's the stuff that sticks out to me that means the most to me because they don't get the credit for that stuff. You know, Caleb had some, I don't know if he had one or two big catches, but he had a, I know he had at least one big catch in that game that was you know, kind of a changing moment in the game, and people will talk about, you know, the 98-yard run and Xavier this, and I I think about that stuff, and that's what I remember. I remember those moments like that and celebrating with them, and yeah. So it was it, it was it's fun to think about, but it's it's thought about differently than most people think about that game.
1: Well, and talk, so talk about the ninety-eight yard run. I mean, it's you know they pin you guys deep. It's still a game, a ball game at that point. And then uh, you know all of a sudden you 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 know you make a cut, you find yourself kind of alone. And and I I don't want to I'm not going to do it justice. So just kind of talk about you know what you saw, and then of course kind of the zigging and zagging at the end.
0: Um, I think you know what's funny about that play. I think we false started a little bit. I don't. I think one of our tight ends. I don't know if it was. One of them false started, I know, but whatever. They didn't call it, so it's history now, right? <laughs> but I just remember I kind of used the ref on my cutback on one of the linebackers because I saw him overplaying. Offensive line did a great job blocking down, and I just – I remember when I cut back and I took off running. I remember hearing the crowd roar, like I'm, and I knew them like, okay, this is like – this is going to be big. Something, you know, because nobody's clearly tackled me yet. And I remember we had the little jumbotron. What is that one called a jumbotron? Cause it wasn't jumbo, but the little screen down on, no, we had the big screen down on that end. Right.
1: Yeah. I think so. the big screen's
0: on the opposite end now. Okay. Yes, we had the yeah. Big they screen. had the
1: big screen on the North yes. end then <laughs> instead of South like it is yes. now. Yeah.
0: I'm thinking of the little, they had a little thing there. Okay. But I remember running, um, I did look up. (laughs) I did look up at it, um, and I remember seeing twenty four. I already knew Brandon. um, Actually, knew him, ended up getting to know him better in the NFL. But I knew he was fast. (laughs) I knew. I don't know if you remember the game Tech Mobile. Remember Tech Mobile? Oh yeah, you bet. So if you remember in Tech Mobile, if you zig, it slows the person down. Yes. You know, I remember when I was a kid. I used to. I got chased by a dog. And so I would jump fences. I'd jump fences to get, because the dogs can't jump a fence, but I would jump it and jump back and forth, like stay there and put my hand on it and jump back and forth. And the dog would just get tired of jumping the fence. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I noticed like people you really didn't think of this. I really did. Like when I was running for my friends and people, I remember like my uncle chasing me. I'd always zig and zag because it slowed them down. And as I'm running, I see him come and, I was like, I'm not getting tackled here. <laughs> I don't care what I have to do. And I just remember when I made the first, when I made the cut, it completely slowed him down. Like, he would have caught me if I wouldn't have done it. And honestly, from that run, the thing I remember the most um, was the crowd that, like, shot a volt of energy through me because I knew something big was going to happen once I hit that hole and the crowd started roaring. And, yeah, and the rest, as I say, is history.
1: And you, yeah. the other thing i remember is you come you know into the it was when we had bleachers at the north end which is where i was sitting by the way my wife and i were both there and as they show you kind of celebrating with the crowd and you know uh, everybody beating on you i am just out of camera shot and i've always told all my friends that of course they never believe me but that <laughs> and and you blow the kiss to the camera as you, as you <laughs> get in the end zone and that's uh that that's great i just remember you know such um you know, such euphoria. Hey, you know, we beat grand Valley state one. We got them there, which their fans were just furious that we didn't have to go up to Michigan. But um, anyway, yeah, that was just um, obviously the disappointment of, of the next week, but yeah, that's, that's a great game. Great memory. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: The the kiss. I don't even know if I should say this, but um, kiss was blown to my, um, she's now my ex-wife, but we have a great relationship now. um, And she's the mother of all three of my kids. But the, she wasn't at the game. She had to be gone for a basketball, and so actually, that's a funny story. But the kiss was blown to her. Uh, I did it. I did it another time too. If you look at the other touchdown I had, I blew a kiss, and yeah, it was. It's funny I think about that now. I don't think I ever told anybody that. But
1: I certainly <laughs> didn't know it. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. But I don't think she knows that. So hopefully, she hasn't listened to
1: this. <laughs> well, <laughs> She's. Well, yeah. her stepdad is, was my principal in high school. So anyway, oh, that's, okay. guess small, well, small world,
0: small so. world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so, so obviously, you know, that uh, then of course ends and ends in disappointment, the three, you know, that's the three of the first, uh, four title losses in a row. Um, you know, what, uh, you know, as, as you look back on your time, you know, at Northwest and things. And one other comment that I have to say, because I put it in my notes here of that senior season, you only had two games. You didn't rush for hundred yards, which is just obscene. That's just craziness. Which games but were those? I don't know. I think Southern? uh title game, maybe you put oh, me on yeah. the spot because I don't have, <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. It was
0: Missouri Southern, the title game. Okay. Definitely the title game.
1: Well, and you know, so many of those games, um, really throughout your career, even, even getting, you know, the rushing yards that you got, I mean, there were a lot of games you, d- you didn't play hardly at all in the second half or at least my <laughs> yeah. mid third quarter, you know,
0: yeah, um, we played at Southwest Baptist that year. And like, I remember a kid running up to the sideline we were blowing him out and I came out in the second quarter and he literally came over to the sideline and pointed at me and said, I want you back out here. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, uh, yeah, that was a hilarious, um, story until i was i asked coach to put me back in and he was like no like we're blowing this team out of course and i don't know how many times i had scored at that point but it was pointless for me to go back in the game but yeah a lot of those even my senior year a lot of those games i don't think i played in the second half so it was um yeah it was fun
1: (laughs) well and so you know obviously every, every kid's dream is to play professionally, you know, if, if you love football, NFL, basketball, NBA, whatever. And so, you know, as, as your, um, you know, your name's out there and things, you got to participate in the NFL combine. I mean, w- once, you know, your the season's over, you know, how, how did your, you know, mindset kind of change? And obviously you're going to camps and things like that and preparing for the draft. I mean, there's a real possibility that you're going to get drafted going to play in the NFL. W- was, was it kind of, you know, could you stop and think about that, or did you just have to keep working and kind of, you know, keep your eye on on the prize, so to speak?
0: Uh, kind of a mixture. It happened so fast; like everything was happening. Like, you got to think. I went from um, the championship game to um, pretty. One of my friends had picked out my agent for me. Um, he had helped me. He was doing all the work for me, talking to agents and stuff. And so, by the end, I had to choose between two. I think within the next two days I had to fly out to Miami and then I was supposed to fly out to Minnesota and then I had to fly out to New York to choose which agent I was going to go with. So everything just happened so fast with, I had to go train for the combine cause I got invited to the combine. Um, I got to play in the Texas versus the nation game and I got a MVP of that game, which helped me out a ton because it was me and like one or two other people that were not division one. And I had like nine carries for 98 yards in that game and got MVP. And so that really helped put me on the map as well. I just, everything happened so fast. It was just like, it just, it was crazy. And then the draft happened and it was like, huh, that was an experience. But I I remember thinking I had a really good chance of getting drafted. And um, that year, I don't know if you've ever looked at that, but I call it, and it's not because I was there, but I call it the best draft class. One of the best draft classes for running backs ever. If you go look at all the running backs that came out that year, that was like Jamal Charles, Darren McFadden. It was like all of those people came out. Um, What's his name from Tennessee? Chris Johnson. It was a lot of running backs, but they were all juniors, which really pissed me off because – if they wouldn't have came out, I would have got drafted higher. So <laughs> I'm right. thinking, why are all these running backs coming out my senior year? But it all worked out, so yeah,
1: yeah. no, I just I just Googled it. Yeah, Matt Forte, Steve Slayton. Yes. You know, he wasn't great in the NFL, but man at West Virginia, he was, yes. he was fun to watch. Felix Jones, I guess, yeah, he was with McFadden, yep. Mendenhall from Illinois, Jonathan Stewart, working, Ray Rice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Holy smokes, man. I guess yeah, i never really looked of, at it that way. That's
0: crazy. a lot of running backs that came out <laughs> and people, um, what's the guy was the Cleveland Browns guy. Um, the white running back. They had the one hit wonder.
1: Oh, Peyton Hillis,
0: Peyton Hillis, like it, Jamal Charles. It was a lot. Like these guys were all juniors. So they, I did not know they were all coming out. Obviously I couldn't do nothing about it. I was a senior, but it was just, uh, it was such a blur. It was, so, it happened so fast. Um, as far as the combine, the draft, the game, it just, it, uh, it, it flew by. But it, it happened, so much was happening so fast, and I ended up training out in New York, and it was just a different lifestyle, <laughs> to
1: say the least. So where were you when you got the call from the Bills? And, and were there other teams that called you before that? Because typically that seems to happen. The guys will get calls, and then they don't end up getting drafted by a team. Yeah,
0: so when I was my senior year, I talked to you about the catching thing. The bears had came. They were, this guy from the bears was like, you're probably going to be drafted by the bears. Like he was sore up and down. And what's funny is they actually took Matt Forte right before they took me, which Matt Forte ended up having a great career. And I didn't of course, but I wish I would have been with the bears, but um, the, the bears called me and they were like, we're going to draft you. We're probably going to take you. And if they I don't know if they said if he that they don't if a guy doesn't if a guy falls, but their guy that they were looking for was Matt Forte. And it was between him and it was between me and Matt Forte. And I got the call. I had a draft party at my friend's house, uh, the Garnets and Beatrice. And I was I think I went through the first three. Was it three or four rounds? I don't remember what it was, but the first three or four. Rounds, it wasn't like it was how it is today. They split it up in different days now. Right.
1: The draft? Right. Yeah, it was three days of it then, right? Or two days of it. And now there's two days. Yeah, you're right. Two days. Yep. It was two
0: days. So that first day, I didn't think I was going to get drafted. So I wasn't really worried about it. But the next day, as the rounds were going, I I thought I would go in the fourth round. And I remember getting really upset because I was like, I'm not going to get drafted. So I went um, outside. He had a basketball court. And I just went outside to shoot baskets, me and my brother. Um, just decided to go outside. We had went to we had went mini golfing the day before, and we wrote on a sheet. We got to pick four teams that we thought I would be drafted by, and one of his teams was Buffalo, of course. And I went to um, shoot baskets outside because I was upset. And I get the, all my friends and family that were there. They saw on the screen that I got picked up, so they came running outside. Well, I had just got the call, so they were all at the door, and I got the call, and I, I like, I just broke down crying because that was my life dream to be a professional athlete, and there it was, and there was my opportunity, and it was awesome.
1: Well, then you were so teammates that, with a couple of great running backs, obviously Marshawn Lynch, <sighs> Beast Mode. Yes. Um, yeah. who I don't think he was Beast Mode then, but... Um,
0: no, he was. Or, I okay. didn't, me and him being happy, we didn't get along great, but that was... <laughs> <laughs> he was definitely beast mode. He was an amazing running back. Um, not my favoriteest person in the world, but he was an amazing running back.
1: And and Fred Jackson, who was another small yes. college guy. I think he went to college like up in yes. Iowa somewhere. Co-college. Is that yep. right?
0: Very underrated. He actually, I think overall running back, he was better than Marshawn. He could do more. Um, catching the ball at the backfield and stuff. Yeah,
1: I he had would've... him on my fantasy team a year. It seems like he had at least a thousand yard rushing season, yep. maybe once or something. But yeah, um, and, and so then obviously, you know, you you spend some time with the Bills. You spend some time with several teams and kind of on practice squads oh. and other things. What for those of us that don't know? I mean, what's the 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 main difference other than pay of being on you know being a practice squad guy and being on the on the main roster?
0: Oh. <laughs> Um you practice, just think of being, I mean, scout team, think of being redshirted minus, you know, you're not on scholarship and stuff. It's just you're practicing That's all you do is practice and I mean, you get to go to the games and stuff. But uh, you're still doing all the work that everybody else is doing, just obviously minus the pay and then minus the opportunity to get out there and play in front of the thousands of people. So it's, I mean, can't complain. Playing, being on the practice squad in the NFL is not a nothing to slouch at or nothing to make fun of, but uh, for me, for the guy that I was in my competitive nature, I just it it really didn't sit well for me. But I look back on it now and I think, man, what an experience! And you know, I got to do something that not a lot of people get to do. So I was um, it was really rough for me coming out the NFL when I was done because I really didn't have the career that I wanted to have. And of course the success that I had at Northwest, um, I didn't get the opportunities that I thought I I deserved, but I I have my time with my kids. Now Um, my life (laughs) is my kids. So I would wouldn't trade it for the world.
1: Well, in pharmaceutical sales, is that what you're doing? Is that what you're yep. doing now?
0: I, I'm a drug dealer. Sell drugs legally.
1: Legally, right. So I, yes,
0: legally. I got pulled over by a cop and I told him, "I." he said, what do you do? I was like, I sell drugs. And I was like, hey man, legally. Like, joking. <laughs> so I joke around a lot. I probably shouldn't be joking around with a cop pulling me over. <laughs> right,
1: right, <yeah>. Maybe not. <laughs> so, maybe not.
0: But yes, I, I love my job. I love what I do. And like I said, I coach <clears throat> all three of my kids and. I started an organization called X Force, where I get to coach all three of my kids, and it's awesome.
1: Well, that so, that was the next thing on my list here. So, so tell us, tell me a little bit about X Force and kind of where the idea came came from it, and kind of what you know what you hope to hope to accomplish and, and help kids.
0: Um, so I am probably the biggest nerd. I play video games. I I watch Marvel movies, and uh, people don't know, but X Force is superheroes like that I mean do you watch superhero movies probably not
1: absolutely yeah
0: okay oh, so confused. you know who
1: X-Force I, is now? <laughs> I, love, I love the Marvel movies yeah
0: okay absolutely. so I'm so that's where um the X-Force obviously my name is Xavier and X-Force it goes along together but I started off coaching my middle child Eva um in first grade and my ex who played basketball northwest actually she was coaching our oldest daughter And, um, I just was, we were, I had a team, our team name was the lethal ladies. And then I knew my son was going to come. So I wanted them to be under the same kind of umbrella. So I was like, well, I need to come up with something. And I wanted to, um, I wanted to teach kids. You know, I, I, I think people, coaches and people, um, again, my experience with coach T, they worry too much about wins and losses instead of making kids better, not just athletes, but better people, and so that was my focus, and that was my drive, and so last year, I just decided to start my own organization, and named it X-Force, and it just started off with my son and my daughter, my middle daughter, and then it changed to uh, eventually, I start coaching my oldest daughter last summer, and so I just got my, all three of my kids under my organization, and the, the point of it is to I mean, teach these kids not just how to grow as athletes, but to grow as young women and men. My son's coming up, and God, wait till you see this kid. But hes um, that's the whole point is just to teach the youth that, you know, there's more to life than sports and, you know, push them in other things. I, when we have practice, beginner practice, I always ask them how their grades are. Um, my kids are not allowed to play sports with C's because they need to understand – there's more to life than sports. And that was something that I struggled with early on was not knowing how to live a life without playing or without a ball in my hand. And I don't want these kids to think that that's all they're, they're good for, especially my kids. Um, I want them to understand as great athletes as they are, um, they mean more than just being athletes. They're humans and they, they're special. And um, there's more to them than, just dribbling or or running a football, and of course, my son is obsessed with football, which I was hoping he wouldn't be, but he is. He, <laughs> he thinks he's he thinks he's Tyreek Hill. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's it's an it's awesome though. It's it's fun to watch and see these kids grow. I've been coaching them for a couple of years now, and it's it's fun to watch them grow, um, and just having somebody that cares about them more than just what they can do on a basketball court or football field
1: that's pretty great yeah that's what it's all about well well Xavier I have I have one last thing here for you so it's it's what I like to call the pick six it's just kind of six rapid fire questions here to round round things out they're not serious Uh they're kind of goofy it's it's nothing to really put you on the spot but if you're ready, uh, ready, we'll we'll go ahead and do the, oh uh, do the pick six here. All right. For, first question, did, did you ever – were you a superstitious guy? Did you have to put your socks on in a certain yes. order or something like that? What did you always yes. do before games?
0: Very very su- – I had to dress Um, my <laughs> – so, like, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but, like, I would put my jersey on my shoulder pads, and then I would put my helmet on my – so it looked like a man. Like, everything was set up, like – I don't know how to explain it, but it was – Everything had like my helmet was on top of my shoulder pads mm-hmm. with my the pants jersey. were like with the jersey on it, my pants were like under my shirt, like it was like if you walked in, it looked like a mannequin or whatever, like I had to do that every game, <laughs> and then I had to call my aunt and have her pray for me before every game as well
1: nice, nice <laughs> all right well what you you kind of answered this earlier, but what uh, who are your favorite um you know who who are your favorite players? growing up you told me football so so what about basketball who's your favorite uh player growing up
0: oh man uh ray allen love ray allen um basketball football like i said ricky waters um, priest homes in college believe it or not i thought i was gonna be a quarterback and i was for a while like high school i played quarterback my freshman year and then like i'd make everybody and they go out on the pass route and everybody would take off on the route and then i would wait and i'd take off running and my coach was like yeah Let's not do this. You're running back. <laughs> so, <laughs> but Randall Cunningham was uh, another one. I was a big Randall Cunningham. I don't know if you guys remember him or not,
2: but
1: yeah, he, Randall he Cunningham
2: was
1: he was special. He, there's some yeah. plays, like there's some highlight films and stuff. Him on, yeah. of course, I remember him more as the Vikings. I didn't watch a lot of NFL early on when he was with the Eagles, but man, he was yeah, he was pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. See, I watched. I was a huge Eagles fan, and I. What's funny is I. When I played for Buffalo, um, remember when Terrell Owens came to the Eagles and kind of ruined <laughs> kind of ruined the team. Like, Well, he didn't ruin the team, but it seemed like he ruined the team. So I hated him. And so, of course, my second year in Buffalo, Terrell Owens comes to town. He's playing for – you know, he's my teammate. And I will tell you, one of the greatest guys you'll ever meet. Um, I was supposed to get married that year before he was supposed to be at my wedding. Uh, he was – he kind of took me under his wing. Uh, he was really good friends with Jamaica and that's why he, he, once he, he knew I knew Jamaica and he kind of took me under his wing a second year. So that's just a funny story that, you know, I hated this guy because I thought he ruined my Eagles. And then of course I ended up playing with him.
1: So, <laughs> well, I guess him and Jamaica were probably on the Cowboys together, right?
0: Yeah. yeah, They were okay. the Cowboys and he was in Jamaica's wedding and. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. A good cool. guy. Yep.
1: All right. So. Th- third question of the pick six. Sorry, I'm trying to keep myself on uh, on in order here. So, who who's the best uh, athlete that you ever played with at Northwest? Doesn't have to oh. be the best player, just the guy who was the best athlete.
0: Best athlete does that include like can he? You're talking about runger, J- huh? Best athlete.
1: Mm. Yeah, just somebody they're like, holy smokes, that guy is an athletic freak.
0: I, I'm gonna have to say Jamaica Rector. I just, things I watched him do, the first game I watched, he caught a pass in the back of the end zone where he put one foot down, falling out the back of the end zone, just, and I watched him return punts, I, that, he just amazed me, um, I and mean, there was people, speed wise, I remember a kid named EJ Faulkner, I'm sure you guys remember him mm-hmm. from, uh, he was the fastest, I mean, he should have went and did track, he could have been an Olympic track, he was the fastest person I've ever seen, but. Um, on the field and just athlete overall, Jamaica was definitely probably the best athlete that I've ever been around.
1: All right. Fourth question of the pick six. Did you ever get to play as yourself on Madden? Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes, Yes. (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) That is, maybe this is so cocky of me, but I got that game in 08 and I, Immediately took Marshawn out and put me in. <laughs> I, was, I did not care how it made me look, but I was, I got two years actually, three years got to play with myself. And it's funny because my son is he's probably downstairs playing Madden right now. Hold on, hey, Rick, you Madden? yeah, he is <laughs> he's downstairs playing Madden right now. And uh, he asked me all oh, like, Were you on Madden? I'm like, Yeah. He's like, I, you know, he wants the game. I'm like, sorry, buddy. It was a long time ago. <laughs> I'm old now. And of course, they remind me that I'm old. But, yeah, he definitely played with myself. That sounded bad. Hold on. I definitely played as myself on Madden. <laughs> definitely played as myself on Madden.
1: Uh, well, so my next number, question, number five, is kind of along those same lines. Can 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 your son or any of your kids beat you on Madden yet? <laughs>
0: Madden. <laughs> no, you know what? I have... <laughs> he beat me, and one of the times we played... No, a couple times we played. I This is funny. I was playing him in a game, and oh, I think it was like three seconds left. I'm up. He's up by like four points. He's been talking smack the entire game. And I'm like, I'm trying to decide, do I let him win, or, you know, do I like just... Beat him and make him feel bad. And I'm sitting there trying to decide, and I'm like, you know what? Let me see how he responds to losing. So I end up scrambling with Lamar Jackson. I don't know if I threw it or ran it in, but I scored the touchdown and won the game. And he, you know, he's running around, not pissed, but he's like, you know, throwing a fit because I won. And then he stops and he comes over and he sticks his hand out and shakes my hand. And he said, Nice game, Dad. And one of the proudest moments I know it's like, you're talking about Madden football, but like my son's seven years old and he's, he's known, he learns he knows how to lose a game. And he understands that you win some, you lose some, but you still, no matter what, you still respect your opponent. And he stuck his hand out, shook my hand and said, nice game, dad. And I was so proud of him. Like I halfway felt bad for beating him. Halfway (laughs) felt bad for beating him. (laughs) Halfway, but yeah, he's, he has beat me in a few of these games, yes. He's getting there. <clears throat> he plays it every day. I don't um, play Madden anymore. So
1: Yeah, my 10-year-old, yes. he doesn't he plays he doesn't play Madden. He's my middle middle one he doesn't play but he's the he's the football fan of the family i've had him on the podcast we've you know he's got to be on the sideline at northwest games and stuff that's kind of our thing and uh he's uh but he is he'll play sometimes and he'll want me to play him and i don't play i'll be honest i don't play that much madden anymore and so but but he has not beat me yet but there's been a couple of times i'm like oh i'm not looking forward to the day when uh, when that happens but he always trash talks me like he's beating me So so that is kind of funny.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, hold on. If you don't mind me, I mean, I'm going to ask myself, Matrix, are you playing Madden? They want to ask you something. Are you better at Madden than me? No. No? Wow, I can't believe you said no. I thought you said (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So humble. Uh. (laughs) So humble, yeah. Let's hope it stays this way. Uh. Yeah.
1: All right, yeah. Xavier. Last quest, last question of the pick six is, uh, it, and I think I know the answer to this question. But if you had your choice, uh, w- would you have rather had the Harlan Hill or or a national championship?
0: National championship, no question. Not even, a, not even, don't even have to think about it. Harlan Hill is an individual award that I would celebrate by myself. I mean, obviously, you can celebrate with your teammates because um, they helped you get there, but it's still an individual award the national championship would have just been the perfect ending to my career. And so that's probably one of the biggest disappointments of my life is not being able to finish off winning. And the three straight times, not just the one, because we were, I mean, what, four points? Within four points, I think, every game. Mm -hmm. So, So, yeah, no question. Definitely the national championship.
1: All right. Perfect. Well, that's all I got for you, man. I I thank you times a thousand for coming on and and making time for me. I know I'm kind of cutting into family time, but um, you're a good dude. You're a good dad. I I appreciate you coming on and maybe somewhere down the line, we'll, we'll chat again.
0: Definitely. Thanks a lot. I appreciate your time.
1: There he is, the greatest Bearcat running back of all time in uh, Xavier Oman. So happy that he took some time to uh, to join me. You know, I said it in the Chris Gryson episode, and, and you know, I, I say it again here, you know, I appreciate these guys taking time away from their families and things because, you Usually when we have to do this, right? We're all adults with jobs, myself included. And so a lot of these interviews take place of an evening and uh, Xavier uh, you know had his kids there. he was taking some time away from them. so definitely appreciate that. He's uh, um, th- that was so cool for me. you know th- one of the reasons to not just the ability of Xavier Oman, I think anybody that watched him, you know, to me, you know if, if I'm getting a vote, he's the greatest player to ever suit up for the Bearcats, um, you know, he, his time at Northwest kind of coincided with my time at Northwest also. And so that's another reason that him and all of those memories and things, you know, when, when I was a student and, and, uh, you know, brave the craziness of the, of the Grand Valley semifinal, all of that stuff, you know, is, is so near and dear to me. And I think if you're around my age or we're at those games and stuff, a, a lot of us, share that. And something I would uh, that is going to happen, by the way, at some point is we're going to do a greatest Bearcat team of all time. Um, Bearcat Rewind, by the way, had a, uh, Matt Trenton and John Coffey, by the way, do such a great job. I'm so blessed to call both of those guys my friend. I would definitely encourage you, if you're not already, to check that out. Of course, it's covering all athletics at Northwest, but a specific episode that Matt did with Colin McDonough, and Joe Quinlan is they kind of go back and talk about greatest Bearcats at each position, um, that they did, I believe over Christmas break. And, uh, anyway, I would encourage you to go check out that. I, 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 have plans of maybe a little bit closer to football season, doing something similar, setting up kind of a round table and, and talking about some greatest, uh, Bearcats and, uh, of all time, maybe even coming up with a, with a team. Who knows? So um, anyway, all of that uh, is coming up. But thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, once again, absolutely. If it is, you are so important uh, to the success of this podcast, not just you listening, but word of mouth, all of those things, please spread the word. If you know somebody else that you think would enjoy this podcast, let them know about it. Share it on social media, all of that stuff. And uh, I'll just say thank you ahead of time, because I do, from the bottom of my heart, truly appreciate it. I'm having so much fun. It doesn't get any better than talking about Bearcat football. I say that all the time. It's true. It's 100 it's 100- Percent true. I was so excited by the way in the last week or so and I did post some pictures on my social media that I got the cat's gear you know we got the old school cats logo that uh, we busted out really excited to uh to have that so um although it's not football season there's still a lot of a uh, lot of excitement a lot of stuff to talk about and uh, that's gonna do it for this edition of bleeding green if you want to hook up with me on social media you can do so my twitter is at frodaddy 84. On Facebook, you can just go search for the group Bleeding Green Podcast, or you can just go to my website, bleedinggreenpodcast.com. And again, if you're someone who is interested in sponsoring the podcast, uh, you can do that and find out more information by just sending me an email, bleedinggreen.bearcats with an S. So bleeding green, period, bearcats at gmail.com. Just shoot me an email and uh, we can go for there. Thank you so much for listening. That's going to do it for another edition of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel, and as always, go Bearcats! (laughs)